Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Vanished ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This is not a person that would intentionally disappear. As I was going through her things, I I found a note on her dresser and it said, get a birthday present for Lena and Leighton. And my birthday was four days after she disappeared. And to me, like, that's not somebody that goes missing. Like, you don't have plans to buy people things or whatever. And, And she had a shopping list and it said like arts and crafts for the boys. It's the things like that, it like makes you think, this is unfair. She didn't deserve any of this, whatever happened to her. And that's why I'm not stopping until we have answers. I am her voice, I am her advocate. She needs me. On August 7th, 2019, Massachusetts native Sandra Crispo was dropped off at her home after taking her car in for repairs. The next day, she didn't pick up the phone And by August 9th, Sandra had seemingly vanished without a trace when her daughter went to Sandra's home, intending to drop her sons off before reporting to work. There was no one at home, and the horror of Sandra's mysterious disappearance began. However, there were traces left behind that would tell her story and give Sandra a voice. I'm Marissa, and from Wondery, this is episode 269 of The Vanished, Sandra Crispo's Story. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, and more. And my favorite part is that members can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. The Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere, while traveling, working out, doing chores, you decide. I carve out a little bit of time each evening to listen while I'm cooking, and right now I'm listening to Lay Them to Rest by Laura Norton. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MIA or text MIA to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MIA or text MIA to 500-500. Sandra Crispo loved her family more than anything in life. She didn't chase career success, material things, or money, and was happy to spend her time working on craft projects or with her grandchildren. We were fortunate to have many people who wanted to share Sandra and her story with us, and her daughter Lena gave us a vivid portrait of her childhood and who her mother was. I have an older brother named Stephen. He's about two years older than, than myself. Grew up with a dad and mom, dog. My dad was a commercial fisherman out of Boston Harbor. He was a lobsterman for many years, and my mom also worked on the boat with him. Many of our summers were spent on the boat. I can remember as a child growing up doing summer reading on the lobster boat with my cousin. And it was just like really good memories. Throw up little lobsters or crabs and we would have a five gallon bucket filled with salt water and we'd have a little aquarium. And then, you know, a few hours later we would release it. And it was just really good memories. You know, my mom was a hard worker on the boat with my dad. It was fun. Like, I, I swear, some of my best memory, childhood memories growing up is being on the boat. And my brother and I, we both had, like, bleach blonde hair, and we were super tan because we lived, like, on the ocean, and that was our life. My grandfather, my father's father, is also a commercial fisherman in Boston, and he still fishes to this day, and he's in his 70s. My mom, Sandra, basically, she's a homebody. She's got a small circle of friends and family. She mainly, like, kept to herself. Loving grandmother. She'd always be creative with the kids. I have three boys who she was the child care option for us. So she would be, be doing creative things with the kids, you know, making a mess with glitter. Growing up, it was similar experience for us. We were allowed to have fun. You know, we didn't have a perfect life, but 
you know, my brother and I had everything we needed and they always made sure of that. She really was like a minimalist. She didn't have much. She didn't need much. She was a lover of animals. She had a dog named Clarence. He was like a pound mix. We adopted from the animal shelter for her. She was a beautiful woman inside and out. You know, she's had, has this long, slender legs. She would have like a six pack and never work out type thing. (laughs) She loves tea. She would drink like 10 cups a day. No problem. Wasn't much of a cook, but did make a mean potato salad. So she was, I would say, a private person. Had a small group of friends and family that she mainly went with. She wasn't really, you know, outgoing or, you know, she would walk around the neighborhood, you know, with her dog and and stuff like that. Lena is married to Tim, Sandra's son-in-law, and he gave us a glimpse into Sandra's life from the perspective of someone who didn't know her until adulthood. Sandra was an awesome person. She kept to herself, lived a very quiet life, lived it very simple, didn't have a phone, didn't have a debit card, didn't have a computer, didn't have Facebook, didn't have any of these other apps that people are obsessed with in life. I never wanted them, never really cared. So I've been with Lena about 10 years now. So 10 years ago, we first met and, you know, we, we hit it off pretty well. She liked me instantly. It's not one of those people you had to like really try to impress. Personalities just clicked and we got each other pretty well. And, um, you know, if anyone needed anything, you know, everyone was just a phone call away. Sandra also has a cousin by marriage, Deborah, who has known Sandra since she was a teen. She shared with us what she remembers of Sandra from those days. I think I met her when she was, I want to say, 15 or 16. And she was dating my cousin Stevie, who is Lena's dad. Steve is her ex-husband. He is my cousin. So Sandra is my cousin-in-law, but we were friends before, too. We lived in, like, kind of a small neighborhood. Everybody knew everybody. And if you weren't related to them, you knew them. She was very sweet, you know, without making her sound like a saint. She was just an all around, like a a good person. Any interactions I've ever had with her was always positive. She was always upbeat, pretty much got along with everybody, but she was kind of also, you know, very quiet, like to kind of sit and watch the room instead of jumping right in. And then as she got older, she became more of like an introvert, not to the point where, you know, she was rude or anything, but she would just prefer to kind of, she kept her circle of friends, mostly her whole life, very small, very tight knit. We interviewed another of Sandra's cousins, Therese, and she echoed Deborah's perspective on Sandra's close knit group of friends and family, but also shared the special relationship she and Sandra enjoyed for decades. Her mother and my mother are identical twin sisters. They were inseparable. It was incredible. Like, if uh, one got sick, the other one knew. It, it was just a strange relationship because, I mean, they would talk to each other even if they were in the bathroom, like on the phone. You know what I mean? Like, my father would say, well, you just call her back, you know? And then my father used to say they'd take one brain and split it between them. So Sandra and I grew up together because she's a couple of years younger than I am. So we used to go everywhere together. Yeah, we lived in Hanover and they lived in Quincy. And we had like a summer place, a summer cottage. So for the summertime, my mother would go pick up her kids, like Linda and and Sandra, and pick them up and bring them down to the cottage. Because we used to live on a, we lived on a pond. That's where I live now. We'd hang here all summer long while, you know, school was out. So it was great. You know, all the cousins used to hang down here. It was a tiny little cottage. We used to have, like, cots lined up inside the porch area. And there was um, doors that used to close, you know, so the adults would be on one side and the kids were on the other side. Of course, back then you only had the antennas, so you only got three or four stations, you know, on a TV. So, you know, we used to play cards. or But we'd be swimming all day long. We'd get up at... As long as we had our breakfast and stuff like that, we were probably in the water from 9 o'clock in the morning until we get out for lunch and then until we get out for supper and then to bed. So it was great. She was a, she was a good person, good-hearted, uh, loves animals. Just, you know, never had a bad word really to say about anybody. Never, never really thought bad about people. Just a real nice person. She really was. So, you know, even when we got older, you know, we'd still talk and 
Probably like in the last, say, six years, we really started getting close. And she was coming down my house before her disappearance. She had come down my house. And we'd take her dog with her. And she'd spend, like, the overnight, spend an overnight here. And then she'd make sure she was home, you know, the day earlier, before she had to babysit Lena's children, her grandchildren, while Lena had to work. It was just, you know, we, we got along so well. And, you know, for all the years that Sandra and I were so close, it was funny because it was before she even passed away. I said, you know, we were thinking about it. She said, we have never even had a fight, Sandra and I. Family members bicker. She, her and I got along so well, we never had an argument. She basically had her friends, you know what I mean? It was mostly family, you know what I mean? She really didn't have a lot of friends. And the ones that she had, you know, which would be like really me and maybe her sister, she was close to. She really didn't have a lot of friends because she loved her family so much, you know? She was more into, you know, worrying about taking care of the grandchildren and she was just a great person, and for this to happen, it just blows my mind. Sandra met her ex-husband, Steve, when they were both still teenagers. Deborah told us what she remembers of their relationship and marriage. When she met my cousin, Steve, they kind of did everything together. The usual teenage things, let's go bowling, let's go get pizza, that kind of thing. She lived with my cousin, Steve, for a while, and then they got married. They had little Stevie. And then a few years later, they had Lena. Great guy. Love him. Very generous all around. Do anything you want. Do anything for anybody. Just a real loving, can't do enough for you kind of guy. Give you the shirt off his back and go make it. Just a sweetheart. They've been divorced now a long time. I want to say close to 15, 16 years. Sandra's marriage ended but she and her ex-husband remained friendly. As relatives told us, they loved each other. They just couldn't live together. Sandra's daughter, Lena, told us what she remembers about her parents divorcing. So my dad is probably one of the hardest working individuals I've ever met in my entire life. He's in his 50s now, and he's a bricklayer. He's in the union, and he's just like such a hard physical, physical labor is his thing. And Growing up, I was always inspired by, you know, how much his work ethic, his devotion to whatever he did. He's soft-spoken. He's funny. He's like a big teddy bear. He'll literally do anything for you. My kids love him. They call him Critta. His name's Steven, but they call him Critta. And in high school, there was a cereal, I guess, named Crispy Critters, and his last name being Crispo. The gym teacher called him Critter, and it, like, forever stuck. So, like, even my kids, they're like, Mom, where's Critter? I'm like, it's Papa to you. They really just idolize him. And he's really devastated by this whole thing. You know, I, I don't think he ever really stopped loving my mother. I think at a period in their marriage, they did have their differences, but everything was very amicable and there was no issues other than, you know, them separating, but there was no hard feelings or anything. We had owned a house in Quincy on Shannon Street. And then after the divorce, my dad had moved out and they had sold the property. It was actually my grandfather's mother's house and she had passed. So it was left to him. So we were living there shortly after divorce. My grandfather sold the property and then she moved in with her father. She was dependent a lot on others and I just think she liked to be taken care of, basically. She, again, very minimalist, didn't have much in life, but whatever she had, you know, she took pride in it. After her father's death, Sandra remained in the home, but it wasn't a great fit for her to live alone. And Lena and Tim wanted to find her a home closer to them so they could see her more often and she could watch her grandsons grow. Lena told us about the transition from the family home in Quincy, Massachusetts, to her new residence in Hanson. We sold the family home, I think it was April 31st, and we closed on the Hanson home that same day. Everything was transitioning very nice. She had a U-Haul that fit all of her belongings. You know, my brother and I and friends helped unpack her, move her in. We went to the Christmas tree shop, which is like a little store down the road, and we got her all new curtains, all new dishware. 
got her a new bedroom set, and she was just truly happy. She was so happy in her new space. And I think she struggled a bit after her father passed away and definitely had depression issues, especially related to the death of her father. She was very close to him. So she did struggle a bit after he had passed away. So I think it was almost like a new outlook, a fresh start. She has something that's hers. She really took pride in that. She was very excited about putting a fence up for the dog and just having her own space. Having Sandra close by was a gift to Lena and Tim. Both worked full-time jobs while raising three young children. And from what Lena told us, it was a gift to Sandra as well. She just loved being a grandmother. I had three boys under the age of two. I had a two-year-old, a six-month-old, and we got my nephew when he was about 13 days old. And I was a nurse at a level one trauma center in Boston, basically with no maternity leave. breastfeeding one infant, bottle feeding the next, up all night, and my break was gunshot wounds. So I would do a lot of three to threes. So it was awful. I would not sleep before and then work till 3am. But then, you know, my mom would come over and we got closer after I had children. The way I saw her as devoted as a grandmother, like it literally sparked a new joy within her life. It, It essentially gave her purpose again. This routine suited everyone, and Sandra loved getting to see her family almost every day. She had only been in her home for a few months and was still decorating and adjusting to living in Hanson when the course of her life changed forever. Sandra's son-in-law, Tim, walked us through the course of events culminating in Sandra's disappearance. Sandra was such a, just a good person. She didn't care about money. She didn't want the nicest cars, the nicest houses that in life people want and will do anything for. She was such a harmless person and just wanted to be taken care of. And we were able to do that for her by selling her house. We found this perfect little house for her down the street, made a bank account for her to live off of. And we were able to sell the house, move her down here, put some money in the bank for her. And she was honestly the happiest she's really ever been. She had her own little piece of paradise. She had all these plans of fences and decorating and making the boys their own bedroom and having sleepovers and all that it actually genuinely made us feel good that she was you know at a new point in her life and she was actually happy to have something of her own that wasn't her dad's that wasn't her brothers and sisters had no say in it it was hers and I don't think she's ever really had that in life and she definitely took on a new persona of happy through our life I know she had bits and pieces of depression but these days who doesn't this is when you actually saw her smile and actually get her excited about decorating and when her father past. He had a newer vehicle that he was driving around that Sandra decided to to start driving. It was a newer, nicer car. And her sister took uh, Sandra's old vehicle just as a spare. Sandra got in a car accident and ended up totaling it. Ended up taking her little blue car back from her sister and trying to get it out of the driveway. It was in the snowstorm two winters ago at this point. Got stuck in a snowbank, so a couple of our friends had to go over and push her out. And when that happened... The exhaust system got all mangled and and fell off. So she had a little blue Scion, and it just sounded horrible. But she drove it for eight months, could care less what it sounded like or anything like that. So when she moved to Hanson, she had a little bit of money in the bank. You know, we were like, enough is enough. Let's just get it fixed. We're going into the winter season. Your car doesn't need to be sounding like that. Let's just get it fixed. We have a local mechanic around the corner from my house that we became very friendly with. And so made up the appointment. I believe it was for like a Wednesday. Lana was working and the plan was for me to go to her house after work, pick up the kids, have her follow me to the shop and I would just drive her back home. So I got her to work a little late that day, picked the kids up and she followed me down back towards my house and dropped it off at the shop. She got in my truck and hung out with the kids while I went in there and talked to our friend about what needed to get done and all the work. So I got back in. We started kind of small talking about little things in life, nothing out of the ordinary at all. She asked if I could stop at the Cumberland Farms near her house so she can pick up some cigarettes because she was going to be out of a car for a few days. So I did. We drove her back to her house. I said, you guys need anything else? And she said, nope. And uh, I said, "Okay." So my windows rolled down because it was the summertime. And I yelled out the window, love you, Granny. All three kids belted out the window the same thing. I love you, Granny, so much. She looked back and said, 
I love you guys so much, and that was it. That was the last time we ever saw Sandra. Our skin has a huge effect on our confidence. If you have acne or noticing signs of aging, it can be frustrating to waste time and money on products that aren't formulated for you. That's why I recommend Curology. Curology makes personalized prescription skincare products. Curology's personalized prescriptions are formulated to treat your individual skin needs. They use a combination of three clinically researched ingredients, making it more effective than non-prescription cleansers and moisturizers alone. I tried it out myself and it's easy, and I can't wait to get my first box. Just fill out a quiz about your skin, share photos, and a provider will prescribe a personalized formula based on your skin's unique needs. For a limited time, you can get your first Curology skincare box for just $5. When you go to Curology.com vanished, go to Curology.com vanished for this free offer. That's Curology, C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot com slash vanished. Trial is 30 days, applies to your first box, subject to consultation, new subscribers only. Let me guess, your medicine cabinet is crammed with stuff that doesn't work. You still aren't sleeping, you still hurt, and you're stressed out. That's how it was for me. So I cleared out my cabinet, and I'm excited to reset my health with CBD from CB Distillery. CB Distillery's targeted formulations are made from the highest quality clean ingredients. No fluff, no fillers, just pure, effective CBD solutions designed to help support your health. In two non-clinical surveys, 81% of customers experienced more calm. 80% said CBD helped with pain after physical activity, and an impressive 90% said they slept better with CBD. If you struggle with a health concern and haven't found relief, make the change to CB Distillery. And with over 2 million customers and a solid 100% money-back guarantee, CB Distillery is the source to trust. I have a 20% discount to get you started. Visit cbdistillery.com and use code VANISHED for 20% off. That's cbdistillery.com code VANISHED. cbdistillery.com Tim wouldn't know it until later but he was the last person to see Sandra alive. Lena told us that the day had been a normal one, and nothing seemed odd or out of character about her mom. Wednesday, August 7th. I will never forget that day. It's forever embedded in my brain. It was a typical, got the boys ready. You know, I normally I'd have to be in the city by 11 because usually work like 11 to 11 and would normally drop them off at her house around 9.20. That way, given traffic, it would allow plenty of time to get into work. And I recently had switched from the emergency department to a new department just for a better, you know, work-life balance. I had three boys under the age of five. I didn't feel like my break should be a level one trauma center. So I was actually on orientation with a new position within the hospital after, you know, 14 years of emergency medicine. And it was And it was great. I dropped the boys off. You know, normally I never went in. She would just come to the door and her dog was very hyper and jumpy. And she would kind of just crack the door and the dog would stick his head out and he would wag his tail. And then I would put the kids on the stoop of the stairs and then watch them go in one by one. And then I would drive off because if we opened the door, the dog would be down the street and around the corner. That's usually how our mornings went. So that Wednesday was, again, nothing out of the ordinary. Everything was fine, cordial, went to work, you know, worked my 12-hour shift, came home. Before she was aware that anything was wrong, Lena told us that she woke up on Thursday with a sense that this day wouldn't be like all the days before. Thursday was the next day, and that's the day that will forever be in my mind as just a feeling It was like a feeling of impending doom. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, the Thursday, the next day, my three boys and I were on the beach and we were throwing rocks in the beach. And the mechanic had called me and said, she needs a whole new exhaust system, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, you know, no problem. I'll call my mom now and I'll tell her. And I said, if you see anything else, let me know because she's probably not going to bring it back in to get repaired. And then the mechanic just laughed and he goes, Lena, I'm not looking for anything else. And I'm like, deal, just do the exhaust. I'll call her. I'll tell her. 
So then I called her and the phone rang like normal and she didn't answer. And I think it was around noontime. Called her once and then I called her again, still on the beach. And I, when she didn't answer, I just had like, it's hard to explain, but like a, a gut sinking feeling that something was wrong. And it was more for the fact that it's not like she's not allowed to go out and do things on her own, but I knew at that time she did not have a vehicle. So that to me was concerning that she's not answering the phone after multiple attempts, knowing that there's no vehicle there. I took the kids back home. They were beat. We got lunch, hanging out. I actually had my friend's son too with us. My husband got home. We were chatting and I called her a few more times throughout the day. And then it was like 8.30. I was in bed. My husband was in bed. My kids were sleeping. I called her again and she didn't answer. And I looked at Tim. I'm like, Tim, should I go over there to check on her? And he's like, Lena, she's probably fine. Who knows? Maybe she met a neighbor. Maybe she went out. And I'm like, maybe you're right. But I, I did have a gut feeling. And I know that some people give me backlash for not following my gut instinct. But then I also feel like maybe I was being protected from something. I don't know why I think that. But maybe if I went to her house that night, I don't know. I, I don't know. I almost felt like as much as I wanted to go, I was held back from doing so. And I didn't. And I'm like, well, she's supposed to watch the kids tomorrow. No big deal. I'll get up and we'll do it again. Lena couldn't shake the feeling of horror that something had happened to her mom. Sandra didn't have a cell phone, but it wasn't necessarily strange that she didn't answer the home phone, though she would normally call back later. In fact, she didn't have a computer. And while she was almost always home to answer the landline, Lena's husband, Tim, thought there might be an easy explanation for why they weren't able to reach Sandra. So Lena tried calling her mom a couple times during the day, no answer, which not out of the ordinary. She kind of just hung out and napped and kind of did some things. And she had a house phone, so if she was outside, she wouldn't have heard it. She's not glued to a phone or anything like that. Uh, and then later that night, Thursday night, Lena tried again. We were laying in bed watching a movie. It was about 9, 9.30. Still no answer. And Lena said, oh, my God, something something's happened. Something's not right. She goes, I'm going to go over there. At that point, it was late. You know, we both had to go to work the next day. I'm like, let's just sleep on it. We'll we'll check it out tomorrow because Sandra was supposed to watch the boys Friday morning for us. At first, it was don't worry about it because there are some days we could call her because we always call the day before, even though she knows she has to watch the kids on a Friday. Me and her just have that mentality in our heads that we always check in with people the day before just to make sure there's no miscommunication. My thought was, Lan, she's probably sleeping. She might be in a mood where she just doesn't want to talk to anybody or don't put too much thought into it. 10 o'clock at night, you're not going to start an adventure to go over there and, you know, and see what's happening. You're going to go there in the morning anyway. You know, we'll know more. Just go to bed, get some sleep. I honestly didn't really think anything of it that night. Uh, I got up, went to work. The following day was a Friday and no one had seen or heard from Sandra since Wednesday. Tim and Lena tried to remain calm. They didn't want to alarm their young children, and decided that Lena would head to her mother's house as usual to drop off the kids, hoping to find that nothing was wrong. However, this isn't what happened, and when we talked with Lena, she shared with us how her fears quickly became reality. So the next morning, I had called her house, Again, you know, to no prevail, no answer. So I loaded the boys up in the car. You know, I normally, like I said, I normally get there around 9.20. I think on Friday, this Friday, I got there at like 9 a.m. Just because I had a feeling she wasn't going to be there. You know, there's no reason for her not to answer her phone calls. So I pulled in her driveway. You know, I normally say to the boys every time, all right, everybody unbuckle. And I pulled in the driveway and I didn't say that. I said, hold on, guys one second. So I got out of the car and peered right in her front door. It has like three little windows in the front of the door. And I stood on my tippy toes because it's kind of hard to see. And I peered in the window and noticed that all the lights were on. I could hear the air conditioner because her room was right next to the front door. The air conditioner was on. It was, again, midsummer. It was hot. The front door was locked. So then, again, I proceeded to go around to the back door expecting it to be locked, but it was unlocked. And, you know, once I walked in, again, the lights are on, the air conditioner's on. And the thing that really stuck out to me is that when I walked into the house, 
you know, that lab that is jumpy and all over the place and darting out of the house, he almost appeared like coward. He was on her reclining chair. His tail was wagging a little bit, but he didn't get up. He wasn't like, he wasn't moving around. And that stood out to me. Like I walked by and I realized, oh, he doesn't have any food or water. But now I'm in my head like, look, I got to go to work. I started a new position. Like I can't be late. Unfortunately, I had to go to work. Lena quickly made other childcare arrangements and went to work. On the way, she sent Tim a text message saying her mom was not at home, and he agreed to stop by the house after his shift at work ended so he could start looking for Sandra. Lena also contacted some of her other relatives looking for her mom, including her sister Linda, who Sandra had always been particularly close to, and the news quickly spread throughout her family. Sandra's cousin Deborah told us how she learned that Sandra was missing. When she went Friday morning to drop the kids off, the lights were on, the air conditioner was on, and she was not home. And she said the dog was sitting in the recliner, just like staring at her. Instead of coming to the door to greet her, the dog just was just sitting there. She found that very strange, and she couldn't find her mother anywhere. So she wound up calling her Aunt Linda, who said, oh, I don't know where she could be. Drop the kids off to me and go on to work. Lena did that, but she just couldn't get her day going. She just was crying and she was so upset. Another cousin that Sandra maintained a lifelong bond with, Therese, told us that Sandra's sister Linda called her, alarmed by Lena's call looking for her mom. Linda called me. She thought she had maybe stayed over here. Sandra had stayed over here that night. Did Sandra sleep over? And I said, no, why? She goes, because she's missing. I said, she's missing. And she said, yeah, she's missing. She's not at our house. And I said, that's that's not like Sandra. And then the police, the detectives called me and said um, I was the last phone call that she had had on her phone. Because I was actually going to pick her up on Wednesday after she got through babysitting and dropping off her car to be fixed. I was going to go pick her up and she was going to spend the night over. And then I would have brought her back up Thursday because she would have babysat Friday. But Sandra never got back to me after dropping her car off. Then she, Lena found out she wasn't at the house on Friday when she went to drop the kids off. Nobody could find her. Lena didn't want to call out of a brand new job and reported to work but ultimately explained to her colleagues what was going on. I arranged other childcare, dropped my children off, went to work, and the girl that was orienting me to the new department, uh, I worked with her previously in the emergency department, and she said she'll never forget, like, my face. I said to her, I'm like, I just feel like something's wrong with my mom. And she said the more that the day progressed, she could just see, just see my whole demeanor throughout the day. And I have a very hard work ethic as well, and I don't like to leave. I don't like to call in sick, but it was like 4 o'clock, and I'm like, Julia, you know, my husband's going to the Hanson police right now to make a police report. I don't feel comfortable being here. I feel like something's wrong, you know, without question, without hesitation. She's like, go, go. And I left and showed up to my mom's house, and the detectives were already there, and, you know, they had taken statements, and... I explained to them, I'm like, this is not somebody that disappears. This is a homebody grandmother that doesn't leave. She does not disappear. When Tim finished his shift at work, he stopped by Sandra's house as he had promised. Tim explained to us what was going through his mind when he, too, found Sandra's house empty with no sign of his mother-in-law. Getting out of work that Friday and going there and still no one was there. That's when my brain start, started to race. I'm a pretty cool, calm, collective guy. And you know when something's not right. And that Friday, before going to that police station, I knew something wasn't right. Lena had that inclination a little earlier than me. But that Friday, actually showing up to her house and contemplating on having to go to the police to file a missing persons report. Yeah, my, my emotions were just something wasn't right. And we had to act fast. Because she just doesn't go away. She doesn't just go missing. She doesn't just go to a friend's house for a couple days and just leave the dog there. And she's not a party animal. She doesn't go to bars. She doesn't drink. That Friday, I was, I was definitely more nervous than the night before. The first couple days, I didn't think anything of death. It didn't look like a big murder scene. It wasn't, 
you know, you walk in and, and you're just flabbergasted of what the house looks like. You know, I honestly thought maybe she had found a friend or found someone or I, I really don't know what could have happened. But at first, death didn't even uh, register to me. I didn't know she was in trouble. I didn't know. I just knew we had to act fast because it's not in her makeup to just disappear and not come back and leave the dog. Or she also knew she had to watch our kids that Friday morning. She knows when we say Friday morning, there is no messing around. It's this is your day. And, and, you know, she was in tip top shape and she was always ready to take the kids on with snacks and all that stuff. Not like her just to go missing, leave the dogs and, and leave her grandchildren behind. She didn't really ta- ever talk about having a boyfriend or meeting new people. She said she met some neighbors. But again, it's not like she would go over for like a campfire and, and hang out and meet the neighbors. Again, she's very keeps to herself. But initially, I thought maybe she went to a neighbor's house and maybe they had some people over and they started talking and someone saw her as a you know middle-aged single woman, her own house. Maybe she was talking about something else. And at first, I thought maybe it was a you know a local job of going in there and, and seeing what she might have had inside. She lived alone. She only had a dog, nothing crazy. I honestly thought it might have been a, a local incident of maybe she had said something or maybe people thought she had a lot of money or something like that. Deborah told us that as soon as Lena reported her mom missing to the local police, no time was wasted in starting the search for Sandra. She went to the Hampton police with her husband and reported Sandra missing. They did what they call a tier one search. According to the chief of Hampton police, they treated it like a missing child. They took out all stops to like find her. They brought in, you know, a cadaver dog and they searched everywhere. She didn't own a cell phone. She did not own a computer. She only had the landline and her car was in the shop. So she had no motive for transportation. And nobody in the neighborhood recalls seeing her walk or somebody coming by to pick her up or anything. That's why I think they handled it at such a high level. They didn't wait. As soon as Lena told them this is what's going on, the chief there was amazing. He jumped right into action, had them out on ATVs looking through cranberry bogs and down dirt roads and in mud and everything trying to find her. They really did do a good job, you know, at answering Lena's call for help. The chief in Hanson was very sympathetic to, you know, the fact that she just goes missing and people just don't go missing. And he kind of, you know, not that he took it personally, but he kind of did. Like, this is his little town. It's a safe little town. And let's find her. Deborah is right. Hanson, Massachusetts is a safe little town. Census data indicates that the population is less than 11,000 people. And the NamUs database lists only one other missing person besides Sandra, a woman who disappeared from the sleepy town in 1986 who has never been found. It was certainly uncharacteristic for Sandra to disappear, but it was also nearly unheard of in Hansen. And there was another aspect to this case that made Sandra's disappearance all the more confounding. Deborah explained. Sandra's friend circle was very, very, very small. Like I said, she kind of turned it more introvert as she got older. She was with her sister Linda, or like her other sister Wanda. Those were probably her closest. And then she had a cousin that she was very close to, and Lena and little Steve. But she would call them on her house phone. And that's why I knew if she was somewhere and she could call somebody, she would know how to call. Like, you or I wouldn't be able to call because we'd have to hit the name. We don't know the phone number. She knows the phone numbers. She has to physically dial, so she remembers the phone numbers. The general public doesn't have to anymore. They just tell the phone, hey, call so-and-so. That was my point. I said, She's not like out there going, I don't know how to call anybody. And her first call would have been to either Linda or Lena if she was like stranded somewhere. When you love someone, you protect them in the best ways you can. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. It's an advanced system that protects every inch of your home and backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for fast emergency response for less than a dollar a day. I found their products so easy to install and their app gives me peace of mind. 
that I can see what's going on at my home wherever I'm at. Simply Safe is trusted by the experts. It was named Best Home Security Systems of 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. Simply Safe offers everything you need for whole home protection HD cameras for indoors and outdoors, advanced motion sensors and entry sensors to protect doors, windows, and rooms, and a collection of hazard sensors to detect fire, flooding, and more. Plus, with a 60 day risk free trial, if you don't love your system, return it for a full refund. Simply Safe even covers return shipping. Order now to get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com/mia. That's simplysafe.com/mia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Without a car or cell phone, it was vital to find Sandra without losing more time. Lena credits the Hanson Police Department for their immediate action, something that seems to be a rare occurrence in missing persons cases in the United States. So I have to give the Hanson Police Department, you know, props. I know they made her a tier one missing person. So that's essentially as if a child had gone missing. They were very believable, but I think it was like day three or four. My cousin and I were walking her neighborhood looking for things. You know, I was going door to door asking people if they had cameras just because I knew in my gut something was very wrong. And then ironically, as my cousin and I were looking, the detectives pulled up and they got out. And I just initially, I I just started crying. And I said, you guys are looking for a body. and It killed me to say that because this is my mother. This is the woman that gave birth to me. But I just knew in my heart that something was wrong and she doesn't disappear. And I looked and I said, you guys are looking for a body. Not that anybody shook it off, but I did felt somewhat unheard just because I knew that something was wrong. And I just had that gut instinct. And as more time went on, obviously, my concerns grew more. So I think About 52 days into the investigation, I thought that the town of Hanson needed more resources. And that's when I contacted the Plymouth County DA, Tim Cruz. And I said, I believe that there's a public threat at large. Like my mom doesn't disappear. She's not here. I feel as though the town of Hanson needs more resources, more help. Lena's instincts told her that her mom had passed away. She didn't know how or why, but she told us that she didn't believe anyone had harmed Sandra at first. But as she went through her mother's house, she noticed that there were some things that just weren't right, starting with the fact that the clothes Sandra had last been seen wearing, along with her purse, were missing from the home. You know, initially I wasn't concerned for any sort of foul play that happened that I believed to happen in the home, but I was down on my hands and knees looking for something. I'm like, please give me something. And her closets did seem tossed. I didn't know if it's because she's recently moved and is she just unpacking and trying to organize things or does that mean somebody was looking for something? You know, we couldn't find her fitted sheet and I knew we had just purchased, again, like I said, a whole bedroom set, you know, a few weeks, months prior. And we couldn't find the fitted sheet. And also, underneath the bed, all the bed slats were, like, off. Like, almost like somebody lifted up the mattress or somebody was looking for something. She had a lot of stuff. I mean, to me, I'm a, I'm a minimalist. I don't really like things and clutter. And, you know, she would have all these quirky decorations and whatnot. But she wasn't a, a slob by any means. I mean, she had her things, but she was also in the process of still unpacking all of her life into this small home. So initially, again, walking through the house, nothing really seemed disarray to me. But again, on my hands and knees, you know, I discovered things that I'm not really going to speak to just because it is an open and active case, but potentially forensics leading to something more that Maybe foul play was involved and there was a sign of some sort of struggle within the home. At this point, Sandra's house hadn't been searched by crime scene or forensic specialists. 
and that played into Lena's decision to call the district attorney and ultimately the state police. After I discovered what appeared to be some kind of forensic evidence, that's when I wrote to the Plymouth County DA saying, this is not okay. I believe something happened. And I believe it very well could have happened in the home or, you know. But again, an outsider looking in initially, like, it could have been overlooked. But at that point, I was desperate. So I was doing anything I could to find anything that would give me something. Because I was that desperate that I reached out to psychics. So I literally called Hanson Police at like one in the morning. I said, you need to go out there. They're saying she's here. And they sent dogs out at one in the morning through mush, swamp, nasty. Like, they want answers just as bad as I do. It's unfortunate because in Massachusetts, if you're a missing person, it makes it extremely difficult to execute search warrants for missing people. Law enforcement did eventually search Sandra's home, but we don't know what they took or why. With the COVID pandemic delaying everything, results of what was taken and sent to the crime lab have not been released. Still, Sandra's family waited on movement in the search for Sandra. And while they waited, Tim took some action of his own and an unexpected lead soon came in. At first, with the Hanson police, nothing was really coming up. So we installed the the ring cameras on her house just for activity or again we didn't know if someone was going to try to break in now that they know she might be missing or who knows so we put the cameras up for everyone's safety we had a car pull up one day some younger woman she had a hoodie on covering her face couldn't really make out what was going on she had left something on the front stoop and i got the notification from my phone we're in the backyard hanging out and i said lana some girl just dropped something off So I flew to the house. Again, we're only seven, 10 minutes away. And there was a note under a statue she had on our stoop saying, well, you need to start looking into this certain guy in in Hanson. I think he has something to do with it. They knew each other or, or, you know, so far and so forth. And we went to the Hanson police. They didn't think it was anything crazy. It was a couple of weeks in. We had no news on her. So we thought this was this was it. This is the breaking news. So, again, they, they took the note, you know, made a copy of it. They investigated, but nothing really ever came of that. It turned out that there was a local man who had been released from prison around the time of Sandra's disappearance. There was no connection between Sandra and the man, and law enforcement established that he was not near her home or in her neighborhood during the time Sandra disappeared. It was a lead that seemed to make sense at first, but fizzled out. With no other leads or tips coming in, Tim became frustrated at what he saw in the search for Sandra. Lana and I never stopped looking for Sandra. And at that time, I had to work double shifts at work because I have timelines, I have deadlines that, that need to be made. She was missing. It wasn't, again, it wasn't this big crime scene where, you know, hey, I got to take time off of work, no ands, ifs, or buts. Technically, it was just kind of another day in the life. So when I would get off the double shift, I'd be in local lakes and ponds looking, you know, at that point, you it was a month in. We had no answers. We thought we'll get the family together and we'll start taking shifts. We're the only ones with younger kids, but we put everything on our shoulders and, and we're the ones that call the state police. We're the ones that are getting people involved. Then you see strangers bringing their dogs, their family members for walks, kicking around leaves in the woods, taking out boats and kayaks and taking out their time, asking Lena anything we can do, making bumper stickers, t-shirts, hanging up signs around four or five local towns everywhere, thousands and thousands of signs to get people riled up and looking and people were paying attention. And then people close to her, after a while you start looking, they're not asking where she could be or what could have happened, but they were constantly in contact with us. Once Sandra went missing, there was no contact with them. They were the most quieted ever. They don't ask for search party dates. They don't ask for, hey, where have you guys searched so I can go this way? Like, you know, you did the day shift, I'll do the night shift or anything from the police. Like, they don't call the police. They don't call us. They don't do anything. It wasn't sitting right. And we have no evidence go one way or the other. But when something doesn't sit right with us, we normally are pretty good at putting two and two together. But the outpour of the of the community has been unreal you know later and i don't like the spotlight we don't ask for help but situation like this this humbles you 
and actually makes you think of we need help, you know, and we started accepting people's help and it's it's been unreal. But then you look back on who helps and who doesn't, and that that makes your mind really start to wander. This is hands down the worst feeling in the world. You see people's true colors. For several years prior to her disappearance, there had been a divide in Sandra's family, which started when her father died, and there was a disagreement about the contents of his will and how his assets should be distributed. Everyone we spoke to told us that Sandra had no interest in money and was happiest living her life in simplicity, without the hassle of managing assets and fighting with her siblings she'd been close to her entire life. Her father's death was enough for her to grieve and move on from, and she focused on healing from that and her new home near Tim and Lena. But there were family members who couldn't seem to focus on anything other than what they perceived they should receive from the will. And perhaps some thought Sandra had money, and this was motive to harm her. We hoped to talk to Sandra's siblings to more clearly understand what had taken place, but were only able to reach her sister Linda, who everyone told us Sandra had been closest with. In response to our initial contact, Linda sent us the following message. I appreciate you doing the podcast about my sister. I am very sensitive and I cry very easily, so I don't think I'd be a good candidate to speak out. As much as I love her with all my heart, we were the closest. We were like twins and only 15 months apart. Without the input of Sandra's siblings and no concrete evidence, we can only wonder if someone Sandra knew caused her disappearance in the interest of money. When we interviewed Lena, she told us how her own thoughts have shifted about what happened to her mom, from a random crime to something far more sinister. So when I think back on the last 16 months again, initially I thought it was a random, you know, event, but I knew she wouldn't open her house up to a stranger. Again, I she's a very private person. I wouldn't say she's really trusting. If anything, she has her guard up. So again, initially I thought it had to be random. She just moved. She's in a new town. She doesn't know anybody. But then like the more I think about it, I'm like, most things aren't random. They're usually not random acts. It's normally somebody they know or an acquaintance or something. And then like, I kind of had a realization. I'm like, wait, you know, the way her siblings are acting isn't the way I would like, I would want to do anything I could to get my sister back. I would want to know, you know, some of my best friends have been right there by my side through this whole time, like kayaking in swamps, walking through woods. And I just feel like I feel somewhat unsupported by my relatives. There's complete strangers who volunteer their time almost daily and they go out. And I've actually established friendships with these people that are willing and able to search out of the kindness of their heart. Because, you know, although they didn't know my mother, they, they feel for me. And, and I can't say enough about the outreach in the community and the support we receive. And we have really great friends. All my family members on my dad's side, you know, Debbie's my dad's cousin. She has been unbelievable through all this. And she's very well networked. It's a breath of fresh air knowing that they're people that generally want to help. It's not just what her siblings haven't done, but some of the bizarre things they have done lead us to question why they aren't being more forthcoming. As it stands, we are unable to release any further information at the request of law enforcement and the district attorney. We hope to be able to provide you with more information on this in a future update on Sandra's story. While Sandra's loved ones continue to wait for answers and search for Sandra, Lena told us about some of the things that have been a struggle for her to face, including allowing her mother's home to be occupied again. It was really hard for me to turn over her cable boxes. As little as it sounds, like that to me was almost like she's not coming home. And even though I waited a year, it's like that was big for me. It was vacant, I think, September. That's when I reached out to police. I'm like, look, it's been vacant for over a year and a half. Is there a chance that my mother-in-law was looking for a place to stay? So would you guys be opposed to me letting her stay there? And they weren't. They were very receptive. So that was a hard thing, like, you know, keeping some of her belongings and 
but I also can't leave a house with all of her stuff in it forever. So I felt like I did wait a while, but I also, that's her space. That's not my space. But at the end of the day, like her homeowner's insurance was going to cancel her because it's vacant and that's a risk they take. And, you know, so just having it occupied, I do feel like it brings a new life because the house is adorable. Happy that the home is now being cared for and lived in. Lena told us that explaining where Sandra is to her sons has been heartbreaking, but has also given her a new perspective on things. You know, my boys, if they go there, it's not a weird memory of their granny that is now not here. And as a mother, it was very challenging for me to try to talk to my children about it because I have this method of honesty and trying to be as open as you can, but they were also five, four, and three. And their concept of what happened. It's hard to get on their level. You know, at first I just said, you know, the police are looking for her. We can't find her. And then my little one said one day when I was tucking him in, he said, Granny's in heaven. I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah, she fell and she hit her head. And it was just like, I don't know why he said it. I don't know what came over him, but it almost left me speechless. And then You know, I got to a point where I said, you know, guys, she might be in heaven. That is a possibility, but the police are working hard and they're going to get answers for us. So this Thanksgiving, my son, who's six, he drew an art project for school and of the things he's thankful for. And he wrote my cops because they're going to find granny. But it's like, how do you explain to children that are so innocent and pure? It's like, how do you explain that something really bad could have happened to your grandmother who watched you. But it was kind of eye-opening. When we spoke to Tim, he told us that he and Lena have kept the dialogue with their kids open and ongoing. The, my two youngest are six months apart. They can't do anything without each other. They're in the same class and in preschool and all that stuff. It's actually pretty cool to watch. The two youngest ones don't really get it. My six-year-old loved Sandra. My six-year-old has been through a lot in life. He was old enough to see what was going on with the adoption process and all this stuff confused so are my nephews you know and with what's happening to sandra trying to explain to a a six-year-old what's going on with this with a straight face without crying because if you show your kid that you're you're upset you're only going to upset him like he's only as good as your actions or your reactions to things so you try to stay strong with them and and just say you know she's she and tell the truth. You know, you can't really lie. I'm not even six years old. I can't really lie to him. What are you going to say that granny's missing? But, you know, the policemen that we're best friends with, like we have a lot of friends that are police and, and fire and all this. You know, our friends that are policemen. Yeah, dad, they're going to find granny. They're going to find out what happened and we're going to know. And that's the most important thing. But, you know, you just be a kid and, and try to do what you can do. But we're working on it, buddy. And we just got to love each other and get through it. That's all. You know, and explaining that to a a six-year-old, it's, again, just even more heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like, he he knows what's going on. He's going to grow up and tell his buddies, you know, what happened to his grandmother when he was six. You know, it's like, try to be positive about it. But at this point, we, you know, a year and a half in, we need to know what happened. We deserve it. Tim doesn't want to see Sandra's story discarded because it sounds odd when you first hear some of the details. If she did just get up and walk out, we would know where she was within days. When you go on the news and you tell people that she didn't have a phone, didn't have the debit cards, didn't have a car at the time, didn't have a bank account, and people are like, what middle-aged person in life doesn't have any of that? Right off the bat, it already sounds weird to people, and they already come to their own conclusions, but people just got to get in their heads like, dude, I mean, this was her life. This was an actual person. Where at this point, we need help. Anyone out there, someone obviously knows something. Someone obviously is scared to say something because it's going to mess up a lot of lives doesn't matter who it is, but something's bound to break. And the police don't can't tell us much. It's an active investigation, but we feel like they're onto something. And, and we just have to put it in their hands and, and trust the system. And that's all we can do because no one deserves to be missing. The police continue their investigation today. And Lena shared with us how she feels looking back on the past 18 months. Like in my hardest of hearts, I want to believe that she wasn't targeted, but I don't know. I wish I knew the answer. The second she didn't answer on that beach, I don't know what happened to me, but my gut just, and my whole affect, I was happy. I was throwing rocks at the boys. We were looking for crabs. 
And then when she didn't answer, it was just like, like a feeling of doom. I don't know why, but, and it's like, you, you don't have a more helpless feeling than having a loved one that's missing and you feel helpless. Like I've looked, which I, I've thought everywhere. I feel like I've looked in every possible place, but obviously I haven't. There's certain things like closure, like that word, I just hate, you know what I mean? So like, I really wanted to emphasize on that. That implies an ending. This is never going to end. This is a part of me now. As much as I want to remain hopeful, I'm also a realist. And I know, I just feel in my heart that she's no longer alive. And, you know, I don't want to seem unsympathetic. That's just how I've always felt. It would almost be a relief, essentially, receiving that phone call. You know, I dislike the word closure. You know, closure is an ending point of grief. And the pain that my family and I endure every single day will never go away. You know, as a person, I just try to focus on hope and healing and moving forward. And unfortunately, life doesn't stop when something tragic happens. At the end of the day, I still have to be a wife to my husband. I still have to be a mother to my children and a nurse for the patients I care for. It won't stop. So I have to keep going, but I'm never going to stop advocating for my mother. I never want anybody to forget her face. I'll keep pushing until I have answers. And and I, I'm, I want to remain hopeful in our law enforcement system. And I want to trust that they know what they're doing. I don't even care about the who, what, or why. To me, I want to know where. My mother deserves, if anything, peace at rest. So what happened to Sandra Crispo on August 7th, 2019? We know that her son-in-law, Tim, dropped her off at her home after taking her car in for repair work. That evening, she made a call to her cousin, Therese, around 5.30 p.m., and that was the last call made from her phone. The next day, Lena was unable to reach her, and no one has seen or heard from her since. Was there something more to the lead about the man who had recently been released from prison? Was Sandra's grandson right and there was an accident and Sandra hit her head? And what about the family's dispute over Sandra's father's will? Did Sandra have something, or know something, that would have made someone want to bring her harm or even kill her? Why have her siblings chosen not to search for their sister, who they say they were so close to? It seems like more than a coincidence that Sandra disappeared within 24 hours of her car being taken to the shop, leaving her without any transportation. With so little information to go on, It's difficult to do more than speculate about what happened to Sandra on that warm summer day in the small town of Hanson, where people don't just disappear. At the time of her disappearance, Sandra Crispo was 54 years old. She has brown hair, blue eyes, and is around 5 foot 9 inches tall. She was last seen wearing a pink shirt and white capri pants with sandals. Her clothing and purse are missing from her house and have never been recovered. If you have any information about the disappearance of Sandra Crispo, you're asked to call the Massachusetts State Police at 508-894-2600. We're working very close with the detectives of the Massachusetts State Police. And again, where she's missing, there's only so much they can do. They even interviews with some family members and other people, they're not cooperating, but they can't bully them into saying something it's so out of character for her. Who would ever thought that, you know, this homebody who doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't, you know, have her car, where would you go? Her grandchildren were her whole life. When Lena and I went in the house, she was planning on having the kids for the, the night on Saturday night sleep over. She had sliced watermelon in the refrigerator. There was juice boxes. There was lollipops. There was, I don't know, Fruit Loops or something for the kids. She had everything that the kids liked because she was looking forward to them sleeping over. She had set up the little spare bedroom. It was all ready for them. And now she's not there. That just didn't sit well with me because she was planning on having them for the night and was so looking forward to it. Everything in her house said that she was waiting for them to come. How does anybody in their family, if they love her so much, how come none of them have gone out and looked for her? They've never once asked me about her. Yeah, but they've never even once gone looking for her. They never asked about her. Like, they never asked me, have you heard anything about the case? Just weird. And I don't understand how the cops can't make them talk. 
You know what I mean? Like when they were asking them questions, and why can't they do that? Then this is what you wanted for money. Spend the rest of your life in jail where you belong, a piece of garbage. That brings us to the end of episode 269. I'd like to thank everyone who spoke with us for this story. If you have a missing loved one that you'd like to have featured on the show, there's a case submission form at thevanishedpodcast.com. If you'd like to join in on the discussion, there's a page and discussion group on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at The Vanished Pod and also on Instagram. If you enjoy this show, subscribe now and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Do you want to help support the show? There are a couple things that you can do. One way to help The Vanished is by supporting our sponsors. You can find links and promo codes in the episode notes. Another way to support the show is by contributing on Patreon, where you can get early and ad-free episodes. Be sure to tune in next week for an update on a case we covered from Washington. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer land. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.